we're back. I hope you missed us because we missed you. And we're excited um, today. Actually, I was I was excited because I was like, oh man, I needed to kind of I need this podcast to be my semi my uh you know my my quote unquote therapy session, because uh, I got a uh, I got an argument with my boyfriend, not an argument. I felt triggered by him, and it he was being super supportive and being nice and whatever, but he was me moving the speed that he no- normally does, which is like a hundred miles an hour, and I was already. Um, energy level of, you know, four, because I was already bogged down by a lot of little issues that I had. So I was getting bogged down. So my capacity uh, to deal with um, triggers were much lower. So as soon as he said something and I got triggered, I went straight to what the fuck is going on? I don't want to be here right now and roll in a ball underneath a rock, please. Easy button. Where are you? Um, and so I was just like kind of thinking out loud, how do I get out of this, right? So my go-to methods are always, I need a journal, I need to meditate, I need to take a couple of breaths, I need to whatever. And then I started thinking, does it work all the time? Like, do these work all the time? What if I'm tired of my my tools? Do I, should I learn new tools or do I go to the, to the stable, you know, the stable tools that always got me there? Oh, faithful. Um, Yes, exactly. <laughs> but then I started thinking, oh, faithful. Um, then I started thinking, I wonder what, you know, in the past, like I, there, there's triggers in the past that don't trigger me anymore. How did I get over those things? Like, I don't even remember, like b- people would say, oh, you used to get so mad about this. And I and I'm, I think about it now and I laugh and it kind of almost reminds me of the, uh, uh, the Ariana Grande song, the Thank You Next, you know? Yay! He said she wrote songs about her ex and now she looks back and she laughs. And it's like, it was, it triggered her so much that she wrote songs about it. So it really hurt her. Um, but now she looks back and she laughs. So she was over it. So it's like, how did we get over it? The, the life just, time just passed. Did life just happened. Did we, I don't know. That's a complicated answer because sometimes I don't think that we do get over it. It's just that it hasn't been triggered. You know, we're using this word trigger. So if nothing's happened that's triggered it, we might think that we're over it, but we're not. And then other times, you know, with time and and conscious work, we are healing that and, and we're not as bothered by it. And just sort of naturally over time, our brain only has the capacity to think about so much. So it can only fit a certain amount of information in there. And it's generally focused on whatever's happening right now. Like I saw a client earlier uh, this week who had an event happen years ago in early September. So every year in early September, she has at least a week of discomfort and over the time that I've seen her, that discomfort is shortening in the t- in how long she experiences it. But still, every September she experiences it. And every September she gets mad at herself for experiencing it again. But it's like, even if you <clears throat> sometimes don't aren't consciously thinking about it, the body sometimes remembers it. So, you know, th- I think it's a complicated <laughs> scenario. 
So how do we convince our body and our mind to be in sync and forget about it? Because I, I, I look back at all those, those past triggers, right? Don't trigger me. It's because I stopped thinking about it. Then I started thinking about this statistic. 90 to 95% of your thoughts are repetitive thoughts. So you're only thinking between 10, five to 10 new thoughts a day. 90 to 95% of your thoughts that you thought about today are just repetitive thoughts from yesterday or from the past, right? And of those 90 to 95, um, 75 of those are negative. And it's crazy because if you think about it, the majority, you're just living in the past and the sad part of the past, right? But when I talk back, going back to those triggers, you know, imagine I welcomed 10% of new thoughts every day. And those new thoughts are, oh, you're, you're, um, you are enough. And then that new thought becomes a, an old thought. And then it actually floats into those 95%. And then it starts filtering. So every day I go, you are enough, you are enough. And then it starts reducing that amount of negative thoughts. Uh, so I think that's logically, that's how I want to explain to myself why I get over those triggers. So can, if something's triggering me today, how long does it take for me to get over it as most efficiently as possible? I think the more conscious work that we're doing, the the shorter it takes for us to to overcome our emotions or transcend our emotions. Uh, so I can't tell you, you know, how long it'll take you, but I can tell you that the more you're working on yourself, the easier it'll become. And I will, if you want, I can go down a little Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole. <laughs> I love <laughs> Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole. Please. It's going to get a little weird. But just stick with me <laughs> and and we'll get to a point. Please. Okay. So Julie knows we, our friend group has a meetup every year. And this year during the meetup, it happened um, within a couple weeks of the congressional hearing on aliens. And so I think <laughs> I mentioned before that I went down a serious rabbit hole about the aliens and I'm still going down it. I'm, I'm still following it in Congress and, and, and all of that Senate, whatever. There's uh -huh. still stuff being going down with this and I'm following it closely. So anyway, you know, with that rabbit hole came all of these projects that the CIA and the FBI have worked on. And so I've been on their websites. I've been reading about the projects, like anything that they have published on the website, I'm, I'm interested in. So in that uh, came a whole curiosity, shall we say, about consciousness. And with consciousness comes the question, does consciousness end after death? Does, is it finite? And is it just, does it just live in our brain or is it something else? And from all of my research thus far, it is sounding like science is actually coming to a place where we may actually be able to prove that consciousness does not just exist in our brain and that it is infinite and that through the practice of meditation, we can not only gain a better 
control over our emotions, but we can also connect with this greater consciousness. Uh, you could call it a universal consciousness. You could call it God. You could call it peace and serenity. I don't know. You know, different people have different experiences. Um, but it's sounding more and more like the world of academia is taking an interest in this and there's whole departments dedicated to studying this at the university of michigan at the university of virginia and long story short (laughs) (laughs) the a lot of what you just said is being verified is true that we get stuck in patterns of thinking and that controls our emotions and it controls the way that we feel our thoughts and our feelings go together hand in hand. We've known that for years. Uh, So we can control our mind through our thoughts and our feelings. And so this now leads into the idea of manifesting, which I hate that word. Everybody knows it. I've made videos about it before. Um, But I'm really starting to become a believer. And part of what manifesting is, is entering new ways of thinking and practicing those and making those a habit and not only creating new thought patterns, but also imagining how you would feel if those thought patterns were true. And then taking time to really sit in and absorb what it would feel like to have those things because essentially what they're saying at this point is that if we can bring ourselves to a place where we just feel like that even if we don't have whatever it is that we think we need then it becomes more likely that we will have the things that we want and need and that we will actually believe the things that we're think that we're trying to <laughs> add to our thought patterns. Oh my God. Can you repeat that? That was very, that's noteworthy. This is a time for all the listeners take out pen and a pad of paper. Cause that makes sense, especially with my statistic of saying you only get 10% of new thoughts. So you could control those 10%. And let's say the 10% is positive, um, inspiring, um, supportive, loving thoughts. You're welcoming that and you're manifesting, you hate this, manifesting a a new direction of your life. You're marinating in that new 10%. And 10% over time, it compounds. 10% today, then that 10% falls into, tomorrow is in the 95%, right? So you've pushed a little bit, the 10% into 95. Then the next day, it's another 10%. It's another 10%. So it starts diluting your 75% of negative thoughts. Absolutely. This is, and it's so exciting. Like literally every cell in my body gets excited talking about this stuff because uh, I guess my body's just responding to this truth that we now know exists. And it it goes along also with that um, mind hacking happiness that we've referenced in, in previous mm-hmm. podcasts. Uh, but we have a lot more control in our lives than we think we do. And we have a lot more control over the way that we feel than we think we do. And I had my first challenge this week. So I'll tell you about it. So in business, Julie knows 
sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. And this week I lost some money that I was very upset about. And I don't cry very often, but I cried multiple times over this, over this move. And uh, normally that would have me upset for a while. I would be obsessing about it. I would, it would ruin my day, possibly even my week. I would have to talk to everybody about it before I would feel better about it. And this time I was like, all right, this is your first challenge to use your new skill. And I did talk about it a little, but there was marked differences in the way that I was talking about it and in the way that I thought about it. Because normally I would get all wrapped up in the anxiety of the feeling and it would take me um, days to work through the anxiety at least. Uh, But this time I was like, no, every time the old feelings or thoughts start to creep in, I'm going to use my skill and I'm going to say to myself, "Um, you have everything you need. You are okay. These things happen. It's not making or breaking your life. It's okay. And that's what I did. And I am not, I like this just happened like this week and it did not destroy my evening. Even it didn't destroy my next day. And I am already back to feeling excited about what's happening in business. And what's happening with the aliens. I think two things you're very excited about right now. Oh God. (laughs) Well, the aliens between (laughs) aliens and AI, that's another thing that I feel like major change is coming for us. As a globe, like not not just our country, um, I think globally there's going to be big changes. W- I don't know which one's going to win, the AI or the aliens, but it's a competition, and the the time the clock is <laughs> the clock has started. I'm dying. You're so funny. <laughs> All of my clients already pretty much know that I feel this way, but but getting back to the whole meditation thing. I have changed the way that I think about meditation because before the way that I thought about meditation, and this isn't, this isn't the part that's different yet. So let me get it all out here. Um, Part of meditation is observing your thoughts, observing your feelings, letting them be there, sitting with them, trying to understand them and then letting them go. And it's a practice of noticing things and letting them go notice and let it go. And it's hard even to do that because uh, what happens is that you go down, you get stuck on one and you start going trailing down and then you get, you get lost in your thoughts. And so then you catch yourself and you're like, oh shit, I'm not supposed to be just thinking about this. Let me bring myself back. And so it's a practice of like continuously trying to bring yourself back. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. to me, the goal is always to try to reach this place of like clear thoughts and peace. Like that's where I end up if I get into a great meditative state. It's just in this peaceful zone where I feel peaceful and I'm not worried or thinking about anything in particular. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when I'm in that place, I will get creative thoughts and I'll be like, oh, I have to check on that after this. And I'm like, oh, thank you, you know, whatever. Mm. And, and that happens to me when I'm in a really nice meditative state. So um, what I've been learning is that some people go to another level and they have even better experiences where they sort of like astral travel or 
um, connect with the universal consciousness or, you know, understand life in a different way, whatever. I haven't had any of those experiences, but what I have changed in the way that I'm meditating now is when I am, I'm trying to live more in a meditative state. So I'm trying to notice when thoughts that aren't useful come into my head and not only let them go, but give myself sort of like a mantra to, to think about instead. And that that's not necessarily news to the psychology world. Uh, but I think that it's news to me because I never thought of it as being in a meditative state where I'm noticing all of these things and I'm experiencing them, but also letting them go and not letting them control how I think and feel and operate. Cause you know, I'm an anxious person or I have been an anxious person. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm finally, I hope I'm not saying nothing will ever make me anxious again, but I, I think I'm finally like approaching a, a skill set that's going to help me not be so anxious and to be able to shorten the amount of time that I feel anxiety. So you are focusing on meditation right now. I mean, so you meditate a lot more. Yes, but it's almost like, I don't even know if you can call it meditation. It's like being super mindful of myself and what's going on in my head and my body, you know, because sometimes anxiety for me starts with a feeling like, uh oh, I'm feeling short of breath. So why, what am I anxious about? And then the thoughts start rolling in that I'm anxious about. And so mm -hmm. now I'm, I started with this mantra of like, I release all that doesn't serve me. And guess what doesn't serve us? Anxiety. Anxiety doesn't serve us. Um, sometimes it serves us to protect us. But if I'm not in danger, then it's not protecting me. Same thing for anger. Anger doesn't serve me unless it's protecting me, unless I'm like defending myself in some way. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's not serving me, then I don't need it. <laughs> so I can let go of my anger. I can let go of my anxiety. So that's because the question you're answering. You're at, asking yourself, is this serving me? Yeah, I, I'm consciously trying to release anything that's not serving me. And I, and when I do that, I'm noticing what I have that's not serving me, whether mm -hmm. it's anxiety, anger, whatever. Um, and then the next part is, and I accept all that is for my highest good. So in the same sentence i'm saying i'm letting go of all of this and i'm opening myself up to positive possibilities and when i open myself up to positive possibilities i'm also opening up my mind to consider positive possibilities mm. because we don't consider them very often we spend so much of our time thinking about what if this happens what if that happens i have to be really careful about this or that and we're not thinking about what if it all works out mm. what if what if i get the promotion what if I get the raise? And, and the truth is, the more we think about what if I get the raise, I'm more likely to get the raise. It doesn't, mm. I don't quite understand the math and the science of the whole thing yet. Although, like I said, they're working on that. They're working on, on proving this stuff. Um, and it sounds to me like we're getting really seriously close. Um, some would say we're there. I don't know enough to say that myself, but, um, 
we know at least through visualization that if you can imagine yourself getting the raise, then it's more likely that you're going to get it. But what does that involve? That involves you considering that it's a possibility and imagining what it would feel like if you got it. Right. It very much reminds me of this book called Be Your Future Self Now. Ooh, um, yes. That by Dan Sullivan and Ben something. So I might be wrong. I don't know. Um, but basically, when you imagine yourself at a place, it's because your brain can't tell between an um, imaginary, um, something that happened that's in your imagination and in reality. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's say when you were young, you were traumatized because your siblings would jump, you know, jump, uh, um, jump out um, at every corner to scare you. Right. Mm-hmm. And you legitimately got scared. Your heart like started beating and all this stuff and you get sweaty and all this stuff. And then they would laugh at you and then you would feel really bad. Totally did that to my sister. So you're, me too. Sorry, sisters. Um, and then now as an adult, let's say you still hold on to that fear and that trauma, your trauma response doesn't know the difference. So your brain doesn't know the difference between what happened and uh, what really happened, which was, I got scared, but your reaction was, oh, they hate me. They, I'm so stupid. I'm, I, uh, um, I get tricked all the time. I am a scaredy cat or what you, those feelings, right? So those feelings actually manifest in your reality when you think that's going to happen. So let's say you were walking down the corner and um, someone walked out the same time you walked out uh, opposite corners, right? And you, oh, you get scared. Like, oh, my God, you almost ran into them, right? Your brain doesn't know the difference. So it actually floods your system with the feeling of of those same feelings when your siblings jumped, jumped out of the corner. So if you imagine going back to what Alicia was saying when you imagine something happening your brain doesn't know the difference that's why if you're imagining a promotion it's probably going to happen because your brain starts doing things as if it has the promotion so when you act like you have the promotion you don't realize that you act like let's say you're you're trying to be promoted to be a manager a shift leader that's going to be in charge of scheduling that's going to be in charge of um um people's responsibilities and identifying people's duties right but right now you're just you're a cashier but if you thought you already had that you might already be doing the the schedule and then the shift manager at the time was like oh my god i'm so busy doing it hey i did it anyway hey i did it because that's my job here you go you know in your mind right i did it here you go wouldn't that be like oh you know how to do this you're doing well the seamless transition of this person moving to this position is perfect of course you're going to get it you know, so you put yourself in a position where you actually learn all those steps to be to get that promotion or to get that whatever you want to get. You and you line yourself up without even knowing it sometimes There's, because your brain doesn't know the difference. That's where I've always believed in this kind of thing because I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, are you really like manifesting it out of thin air or are you logically working towards a goal that you're focused on? Um, and I, I think that there's, there's truth in both now. And that's where things have changed for me because before I was very logical and grounded about it. And now I'm like, well, I think it is a possibility that also your energy shift is changing up what kind of energy you're attracting. And this 
is interesting because it also applies to something we talk about a lot, which is romantic relationships. And in romantic relationships, people aren't as attracted to physical appearance as we think they are. I'm not saying that physical appearance doesn't matter. I'll never, I don't know if I'll ever say that, but as of right now, I'm not saying that. But I am saying confidence and the way you present yourself matters more than what you look like on the outside. Looks like Julia has something to say. Go ahead, weigh in here. No, I am just just giving you a high five from over here because it's so true. Like I've had people walk um, into rooms that socially isn't one of those socially acceptable um, like, like, I guess, a, a stereotypically accepted of what beauty is, right? Universally say, beautiful person. Yeah, yeah, right. Let's say a little short, a little overweight, a little this, a little that has acne, da, da, whatever it is, right? But I, I remember specifically, I was in this seminar and I was just sitting there and this girl just like, literally the, the door just blew open and she came in and she was a tiny, she was like five, three or something that very overweight. Right. She's probably like five, three, probably 220 pounds or something. And she was wearing a white, um, like a white dress suit, matching white flats. And she came in and she just and she had a lot of acne and she came in with so much confidence. She was the prettiest person in the room. Yeah. Like you only could focus on her energy. And I was like, I need I want to know her. And then while I, I remember looking around after after I spoke with her and after she left, um, and she did her presentation and whatever, and she left. And then I started looking around like, oh, that was great, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't even realize that, you know, there's people in the room that were gorgeous, stereotypically, you know, like they're like six feet tall, a hundred pounds, um, you know, biz, whatever it is, right? Right. Model-esque. Hair, da-da-da, glass, skin. And I didn't even notice them. Because they're, they're literally was like, okay, they're tucked in, their hand, their head was down. There were, but it was like, I didn't even notice you. It's it's so true when it comes to just the way you carry yourself or the confidence or, or that feeling or, you know, or the image. Like if you just imagine yourself that it becomes reality. Yes. And, and that's the thing. I first learned it when I was in my twenties um, and I met this gal who, like you said, not traditionally beautiful. Uh, morbidly obese, never had an issue attracting a partner. Never. Always had somebody on the back burner if if need be. <laughs> All of her friends too, gorgeous. Like I felt anxious when I was hanging out with her friends because I was like, why are we friends with so many beautiful people? <laughs> like this is this is making me feel bad. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but she was not phased. She was just a confident person. And I was like, wow. This is proof right here that you do not have to be a traditional standard universal version of beautiful to be confident, to attract a partner and to also have friends that are good looking because, you know, there's a whole rabbit hole we can go down with that. But the point is um, how you feel about yourself has a lot to do with what you attract in your life and Therefore, you have control to change that and change up what you're attracting in your life. Um, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the same kind of goes for trauma and triggers. When 
you've historically, let's say, attracted narcissists, if you start setting boundaries and you start changing up the energy that's surrounding you and not tolerating the bullshit anymore, you're going to stop attracting the narcissist. Mm. I was just going to say, okay, let's, let's bring this back to my first comment when I said, oh, you know, this argument got me where this trigger got me in a bad mood and I felt like I was low energy. And as we're speaking, I'm, I feel like my energy is building back up, but think about it. Nothing happened. I haven't talked to him anymore than I, or, or less than I have since we started this podcast. Cause I'm not texting him on the side. Uh, I am. Um, and I'm not really talking about specifically about what happened. So it's not, it's, it's just my energy level on it has changed because I feel like, I asked myself, is it, 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 you know, in a year from now, is it really going to, is it, does it really matter? No. And also what was the triggers, you know? And, and, and if you really build down and then also you just imagine my, I just, if I'm picturing myself making up with him and picturing him being apologetic and try, I know that he was trying to be helpful and do all of this stuff and seeing how he sincerely was just trying to help me just makes me feel better. Uh, in some of the research, they have found that our expectations and our perception of what is going on is what creates our misery. And it's not like that's, you know, I don't know, again, that's not necessarily news in the world of psychology. Um, but it's interesting because what are you, what were you expecting from your boyfriend that you didn't get? that led to your disappointment in that situation. And I don't know the answer to that, you know, or is it the way you perceived it? Was it, I took that to mean X, Y, Z, but I don't necessarily know what they meant by it. And a lot of times our perception can be changed very easily by just asking the question, like, wait a minute, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Or why did you say it like that? Or what's this tone in your voice right now? And I think also there is um, there is a rule. There's a really um, famous bakery that <laughs> has rules uh, that always. And I was always annoyed about it, you know. And I was like, why do I have to go in to make a you know to do my to uh, do my birthday? I used to get all my birthday cakes there, and I would go in and have to take the order. And I was like, okay, I know what I want. I'm just gonna explain to you on the phone. And I remember just being annoyed, like, no, you can't, whatever. But the the person I was explaining one time was like very clear. And she said, you know, if I say I want a blue cake, she's like, I don't know if you want a sky blue cake or a royal blue cake. So when you come in, you could point out the exact same blue because we want to be able to make the cake that you want. And then I go, what if I say I sky blue? They're like, we don't know if it's light sky blue or dark sky blue. You know what I mean? So as many adjectives you could add on to there, there's a change in perception. going back to what you said if you ask stop and say what did you mean by that because i said light sky blue so hello light sky blue is this color but the person goes and if you just stop and go what do you mean by that the person goes oh no i thought light sky blue was this one because their level of sky blue is much darker because they're from seattle you know or whatever i have two examples of that One, I've worked with a few hairstylists and the number one argument they have with people is about the person telling them what they want. And then them saying, you didn't give me what I want. And they're like, I did exactly what you asked. 
Yes, absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. I believe that's really hard. That is really hard. Whether it's a color, whether they're going lighter or if it's a cut. And sometimes they even show a picture and they'll say, I want my hair cut like this. But you may not have the same hair as that person in that picture. So it may not come out that way. So people end up getting really mad because their perception is different from your perception. I'm saying um, even with a picture, it could be different. But yes. Yes. So the second one is um, sometimes in, I'm very, I make a lot of facial expressions. And so sometimes in sessions, people will be like, what was that face for? And I'm like, oh, shit, I don't know. What did it look like? <laughs> What did it look like? I don't know. What? <laughs> because I don't know what my face just did. Um, and I, I don't know how you took what my face just did. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, so I ask, I'm like, I don't know. What did it, what did it look like? And so then we, we have a dialogue about my face. And this is again, relating to your perception. Like people might think that my look meant something that I wasn't thinking at all. <laughs> so me imagining Oh my God, this is great. Me imagining getting, going to this podcast recording today as my therapy session actually became my therapy session. Cause I imagine, no, but, but really like, I really thought I was going to feel better. It's like, Oh, whatever we talk about, I don't care whatever it is. I'm sure I'll feel better about it afterwards. And I do feel better about it. I already, I already feel better about it. It's, it's crazy when you just have the expectation. So why can't we just start planting the seeds? If we're, we have only a hundred days, a hundred seeds and our 10% is t- our thoughts, right? So a hundred thoughts and I'm going to say seeds, hundred seeds, 10, 10 new seeds, 90 old seeds, 75 bad seeds, right? Mm. Why not the new seeds coming, the 10 new seeds? Why can't we choose good seeds? Yeah. Well, we have a resistance to it. Like some people say, and you know, I've probably been guilty too. I'm not going to lie, but they'll say, well, I just, I want to live in reality. I want to live in reality. Well, reality (laughs) isn't always fucking dark. It doesn't always have to be dark. It can be. Okay. Yes. That is a reality, but it doesn't have to be. And even when dark things happen in our lives, there's often beauty that comes from that, especially if we're looking for it and we're trying to grow from the experience. So why do we take life as always being negative and always shitting on us? Because yes, around every quarter is a new challenge, but also around every corner is a new opportunity and a new um, ray of sunshine. (laughs) Yeah, I love it, Ray of Sunshine. I haven't heard that in a long time. And it reminded me of the song that was playing. I'm a big Swifty, okay? So I just want to make it clear. I love her. Okay. I would love to hear that. Oh. She's all and, about therapy, I think. And I was listening to the, her song, Karma. And it's a different, it's a different percep- a perspe- a perception of karma. If you think when people go karma, Julie, karma, Alicia, don't you think that's a bad thing? Like, oh, I did something bad. Car- it's going to come back and bite me in the ass. But her song flipped it. She said, karma's the wind in my hair. Karma's my boyfriend. Karma's, bo- karma's the, um, you know, uh, living life with my friends. I forgot what it was, right? She named all these beautiful things. So if you think about it, she's been doing these beautiful things to deserve these beautiful things. So she took the negative perspective of what karma could be, flipped it on its head and said, hey, why don't I sing about 
I'm living karma right now. Okay, I gotta be honest with you. I just got chills because I didn't know that that's what that song was about. Wait, 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 wait. You listen to a song though, right? I love that song, but I, I didn't know that that's what it was about. I was like, I don't understand this song. Oh, now you know. Okay, let me come on. I'm gonna no, look I get the... it. Right? That's, Does it make sense? And, now? Yeah, and that's beautiful. And okay, so going back to me diving down in the rabbit hole, I was listening to a lot of near-death experiences. I recommend that to a lot of people, by the way. I think it's gold. But the but a lot of there's commonalities in what people's near-death experiences were like. You know, there's it's not all the same, but there's a lot of things that are the same. And one of the things that they say is that they realize that karma isn't what we think of it as. And it's not like every little thing you do, you're being punished for. And mm -hmm. so I really like that um, idea that why are we always so focused on the negative? And I, I get yeah. it. It's like the way that our brains are work, the way that our brains work. But but realistically, if you think about the way our brains work, our brain isn't that smart. If it doesn't know the difference between what's happening right now and what I'm imagining, why are we giving our brain so much credit? Like this thing mm. isn't the isn't the brightest. <laughs> mm, I like it. I like it. I like it because it reminds me of what is his name? Um, Manson. I forgot. I think that might be his last name. But he's the one that did the um those help help books that was like um that had the word you know the f word in it it's like i don't um my life is fucked up i don't know like unfuck yourself yeah unfuck yourself that that guy okay. you know about how um people think that your brain that okay he talks about basically a driver's seat right a, a, a car he said what's in the driver's seat is not actually your brain because it's mm. not like adult brain going okay we're gonna make a right because it's that it's actually like a little your little child emotional brain that's driving and in the passenger seat is the person calming it down like hey everything's gonna be fine don't worry everything's so the adult person the adult smart person is actually not driving the person driving the car is a little kid that's like no i want to go back now this, you know, I want to do this now. I don't care. I feel so shitty. This is it, this is what I'm going to do. But then the logical brain's on a cycle. Come on, come on. So what you're trying to do is get harmony between the driver and the passenger, or at least to understand, like you said, don't give your brain so much, um, so you know, so much, um, so much credit because it's really a harmony between mindfulness, what you know may not be true and just so just be aware that it might not be true and we have um, to be open to that is the other thing because a lot of times we like to dig our heels in and just be miserable we're like no nope, fuck it and this yeah i'm gonna be miserable <laughs> yeah and don't have and, and a rigid rigid definition things like going back to that karma right a rigid definition what karma was was something bad right but as taylor swift took the rigidity out of it and said okay we flipped on the head what if we looked at it in a positive way, right? And I just actually looked up the lyrics and it says, karma is my boyfriend, karma is a god, karma is the breeze in my hair on the weekend, karma is a relaxing thought, karma is a cat purring in my lap because it loves me. Like, Aww. isn't it sweet? Like, if you think about it, she all those- thing about a cat too. <laughs> I, wish, I love it. But think about all the amazing things we did as uh, amazing things we did. So I don't have to, going back to my 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 argument with my 
boyfriend, which he was just being super supportive and loving and everything. So I don't have to beat myself up and be guilty. And now that we're doing our makeup conversation after this, I'm, I don't have to actually call him and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so Yes, I'm going to say I'm sorry. But at the same time, I'm going to say that I, you know, that I was triggered because of my trauma, my expectation of what, um, what hurt me before. And it was just coming up and it wasn't his fault, but I need to go through this, you know, and I need to start imagining something different. So I need to welcome, I need to choose two, 10 new seeds instead of using one big trigger seed from the past. Right. And then slowly that seed would go away. We'll get washed out. I love that. I love that. Uh, one of the things that I've told my clients about healing from narcissistic abusive relationships is that one of the things that helps us is experiencing a healthy relationship because it's almost like the healthy relationship begins to replace that unhealthy relationship. And it's such a game changer when you experience the healthy relationship. It's like, there's no going back. You're like, oh, I'll never have a relationship like that again. Dude, it's so crazy. You're saying that I literally thought that today because, um, Cause I, my, my, cause I, I met this girl that she's phenomenal. She's super successful, very cool, you know, strong, independent woman, um, and empowering with like with female support, everything. But I found out that my ex-boyfriend cheated on her, cheated on me with her. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I, I refuse to believe through other people's been saying, I refuse to believe that she knew because I don't think she knew. I really don't think so. I and and if, even if people told me I don't believe it. Um, I so I forgot what I wanted to say about that. Um, oh, so my my thought before was that that was such an unhealthy relationship, right? And I was only exposed to relationships where that made me feel like secondhand, so, like not as important. Like he had all these more important things, and then I always came last. I always came second. You know, like I was, I wasn't last, but I wasn't first. So when you're always in the middle, it's like moving target, but it was just very unhealthy and toxic because it was constantly moving target. Sometimes I was the best thing that he's ever had. And sometimes he forgets about me. Right. So you don't know where you are, where you stand. Um, but now I'm in this relationship that I feel so loved and is so secure and so safe. And I feel like it's a very healthy relationship. So it, uh, um, the other day I literally said to myself, I would never date that guy again. So when I met that girl, it reminded me of my ex, right? And I went, oh my God, I would never date my ex again. I just, I just, he would just never be on my radar of dating. Like, why would I do that? Like, why would I expose myself to such a shitty situation that made me feel so sad? Well, and you know, part of it, I think is that whole thing about, <laughs> this is another area where our brain fails us, by the way. Because our brain equates familiarity with safety. And that's just <laughs> not true. Like if everything that you're familiar with is abuse, then that is not safe for you. But, you know, for example, let's say you grew up in a household where there was constant yelling and screaming. Within a relationship, that's not going to phase you if there's constant yelling and screaming because it's what you're used to. And the it's not necessarily safe. It's not necessarily healthy but your brain isn't alarmed by it because it's familiar. So uh, again, this is an area where our brain sort of fails us. 
But once you become familiar with something else, okay, I'll give a dumb example. Um, I grew up in West Virginia. I was not exposed to multiple cultures at all. It was mostly white people, some black people. Um, and I remember one Spanish dude on my bus and I remember one gay girl that I worked with. So <clears throat> minority groups were not the, the the jam up there. When I moved to Florida, all of a sudden I'm inundated with all kinds of culture. And for the first time in my life, I dated someone of another color. And, mm -hmm. you know, they joke that once you go black, you never go back. I don't necessarily think that's true, but I do think that once you expose yourself to something new, you begin to find it more attractive. Um, a shaved head, for example, I dated a guy who had a shaved head. And after I dated him, I was like, oh, I like guys with shaved heads. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it becomes your new thing that you're familiar with. So mm -hmm. we can retrain our brains. And like you said, we can do it a little bit at a time. It doesn't yeah. have to be a major overhaul. There is a statistic and I'm probably going to butcher and I don't really know. So I'm going to go super general on this, but there's a large percentage of people that grew up in a, um, in a toxic environment, specifically dealing with alcoholism that date alcoholics. Oh yeah. Adult be children of alcoholics. I mean, yeah, they have a lot of commonalities. <laughs> because it's familiar. So their brain oh. is saying you grew up with this you know how to deal with this. So it's okay. So you hit the familiar button. So you kind of are attracted to that because it's what mom and dad was like and what mom and dad was supposed to give you is safety. So you kind of somehow connect this new alcoholic guy to safety to this, you know, so you kind of all start connecting to that. Coming I from a, a, go ahead. I think a lot of times too, we're trying to like, fix what wasn't right before so like if i can fix this alcoholic then i can change my story oh that's a good one <gasps> that's a good one <laughs> that's hitting home right now <laughs> if i could fix this guy then that means i could fix then it justifies my childhood it make then it justifies all the times I wasn't being loved or didn't feel loved or anything. Oh my goodness, this is good. That's good. That that's a tweetable moment. That's a quote. <laughs> Did you say a tweetable moment? Yeah, that's what. Uh, hey, there's no tweeting anymore. It's X. Oh, I don't know no. what it's called when you make an X. <laughs> oh, let's let's X it. Oh, let's X that girlfriend. <laughs> let's make T-shirts. We're making sweaters. I'm ordering the hats. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. As I'm wearing Ooh. my therapy is dope sweater. Love it. <laughs> Sometimes I wish this had a visual so they could see us. But then other times I'm like, oh, no, I'm glad they don't see us. I look like trash sometimes. You can upload the videos. I just, I haven't. But perhaps we can talk about going there someday. <laughs> Does that mean I have to spend so much more time getting ready? We care so much about No, I think it's better if we go authentic ourselves. Okay. Because I'm know. trying to teach people and listen to what we just talked about. We can be confident authentically ourselves. It's okay. We don't have to put on a show for anybody. I like it. I went to a networking event and I brought heels 
And then I brought an alternative shoe that I felt more comfortable in. And at the networking event, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to be authentic. Hell yeah. I'm I not know. wearing these heels, damn it. I and love I it. This is what it's all about, though. Therapy, though, that's really like just finding your authenticity and sitting in it and being and loving, loving who you are. Yes, because we're all lovable. We're all different. There's all. And that's another thing. I won't go down a huge rabbit hole here, but my daughter this week was so cute. She was singing a song that she learned at school about the characteristics that they're trying to teach them at school. And Mm -hmm. in the song, she said, um, differences are okay." And I was like, oh, I love that. I love that they're teaching these little kids that it's okay to be different because why do we feel the need? It's so, this is another area where our brain fails us. We feel the need to all be the same. And that's impossible because we're all different. It's the same thing where we feel the need to be perfect, but it's impossible because we're human. So instead... How about we accept our imperfections and how about we accept our differences? What about that? What about that? Yeah, I know. I know. I know being younger, I was so, I felt so different, right? I wasn't developed. I had my period at like almost 16 years old. My first period, that's the first time. So I was very different from everybody. And I just, I chased a sense of belonging for so long. But if I just embraced um, being different, I would think it would have just helped my childhood a lot. Yeah. I mean, you you don't have the cognitive capacity to think about things in this way very young. So this is definitely more of an adult podcast. <laughs> like kids, I, and I do get frustrated with my kids because I'm always like, why you're, you're creating all this negativity in your head. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> But they don't know. They don't know what they're doing. So that's where we we can not be judgmental of ourselves for not knowing or for not being able to grasp those concepts because we were too young, realistically, to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, and the, the the beauty is that we're lucky enough to know now and to be able to yeah. do stuff with it now. I agree. Oh, let's end on such a loving note. Yes. Thank you all. Hopefully we said some stuff that can be useful to you. And thank you for bearing with my rabbit holes. <laughs> but I, I hope you guys just listening to us gets closer and closer to just being authentically you and loving it. Yes. On that note, have a good one, guys.